0: A great deal of American Christianity has become defined by a growing number of faith leaders and their following, who are seemingly rejecting calls for social justice and spreading fear, and seemingly to you know choosing a form of American ideals over truth. And um, with the recent developments, comments, and eye-catching news headlines about evangelicals, you know. So About That team has to ask, has modern Christianity been hijacked? And and could the driving force that possibly will keep Donald Trump in the White House with Christian support, does that come down to money and taxes? If so, how did we get here and what do you, where do we go from here? In our episode we're calling Pharaoh in the White House, we'll explore and discuss the attempted, and some might argue, the successful hijacking of Christianity by Trump loyalists and similar sympathizers. In preparing for this conversation, the So About That team discovered so many layers and sensitivities and new developments. I'm sure many of our listeners have already seen and heard on your TV screens that we couldn't just do this topic justice with only one attempt. So. After lots of lively conversations and our pre-production meetings, we're definitely going to be going further in this. And so what will be a multi-part series about this topic today, we'll explore modern Christianity in America. Okay, so about that. Have you ever just wanted everyone in your immediate vicinity to stop what they're doing and obsess with you about that character's final decision in that movie everyone loves or hates? have you ever needed a space to analyze why your neighbor insists on sharing with you his special recipe that will finally win you over to the pineapple belongs on pizza debate if you've ever pondered that or even more serious issues dealing with race faith and the ongoing culture wars or globalization so about that is here for you this podcast will give you the long-awaited permission to bring full circle That one issue, idea, conversation, you never found a home to discuss, obsess over and celebrate. In each of our episodes, we're going to sidestep the predictable and tap into topics and ideas that have been there all along, lying dormant underneath the surface of what everyone else always discusses. We're gonna dig deeper into the many overlooked factors influencing culture and the culture we live in and often the culture we help create. And I know what you may be asking, yes, you can expect to hear from some of the most interesting guests making headlines across the country and the world, yes, we will have fun along the way, exploring some of the most underappreciated, cult-creating fan-favorite moments in television and film. And yes, we are going to explore all of these and more with a sense of respect, curiosity, and intentional care that hopefully edify your life and your mind. So about that this podcast is produced by watts audio a division of a dallas-based production house watts productions where creating a community of engaged listeners ready to spark their own impactful relevations are all here all podcast episodes conversations and content have proudly been curated by three black women so about that Today, our guest is Doug Paget, who is a pastor, author, and executive director of Vote Common Good, whose work has recently been featured in the New York Times, Fox News, C-SPAN, The Hill, and Al Jazeera, on galvanizing thousands of faith leaders to rally behind a purposeful moment and not this one particular candidate. So Pastor Doug, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, it is certainly my honor, and this is a great conversation, and I so look forward to it.
0: Absolutely. Um, Thanks, Pastor Doug. So I I heard this scenario, um, and just to open up the conversation, I wanted to pose to you. Let's imagine someone from the year 1998 or 2000 has somehow been in a coma Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. last decade or two, and is just now waking up and realizing that one of Donald Trump's main unwavering bases, you know, are Christians and evangelicals.
1: And I, I asked Jerry and I asked some of the folks because I hear this is a major theme right here, but two Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians 317, that's the whole ball game. Where the spirit
0: of the Lord, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How would you describe, Pastor Doug, what's happening and how would you quickly make sense to this person what they're
1: seeing you know that is a great way to frame this because you'd have to ask yourself like what bizarro set of conditions could have possibly been in place to have um evangelical christians and white mm-hmm. catholic christians support donald trump in the face of donald trump's uh, behavior and actions as president um, and look I, i'm a pastor and i'm a pastor from the evangelical tradition and i'm a white man so i'm from the white evangelical tradition of the midwest and uh, but i come from that that Portion of the evangelical community that doesn't support Donald Trump. You know, it's not mm-hmm. uh, it's not a hidden secret that eighty one percent of the evangelicals who did vote in twenty sixteen voted for Donald Trump. Now, right. a lot of evangelicals didn't vote, and we can talk about that later because I think that's yeah. where the key to the future lies. But the uh, of those who did vote, eighty one percent voted for this guy, and I come from that other nineteen percent. Right, so we, we like to say we're from the remnant uh, that that group Ooh. that didn't support this president. But you'd have to ask yourself that question that you framed so well, which is, how would you explain this? What, is, uh, what has happened that these yeah. people would continue to support Donald Trump? And I have to say that hijacking might be a, a decent metaphor, Okay. but these people went willingly. They weren't taken as, uh, like they offered themselves up. This was not, uh, they, they, they waved yeah. the white flag or they just crossed the line or maybe even more poignantly, they were there the whole time.
0: Right. I've been hearing these two different categories, right? So it's Republicans and Trump supporters. And in, in your world, do you see a difference? Is does that should there be a difference or should we be, you know, sensitive to that distinction? Because I'm sure you're working alongside many people who consider themselves Republicans as well and you know are putting true, you know, Christian principles over their party. Is is there a difference between traditional Republicans and Trump supporters as it relates to evangelicals?
1: Yeah, look, that, there, there is. That's a very well-framed uh, uh, explanation. There are people who are Republicans and they're not voting for Trump. You know, there's whole organizations, the Lincoln Project, Republican Voters Against Trump, whole other movements of, you know, the kind of classic Republicans that are like, we cannot support this guy. He's going to ruin our party after he ruins our country. And we just have to do everything we can to stop him for sure. What it turns out is that group didn't have as much power in the party as they thought. Hmm. Uh, And uh, so they're powerless. And then there are these voters who aren't aligned to any political party. You know, they may have even wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders, had he been the candidate, but then they, you know, voted for Donald (laughs) Trump. Like they're just free, uh uh un unaffiliated voters. So there's a lot of range. And then there's a group of people that are just hardcore Trumpers. We've met them all over the country. We travel the country in a big bus that says faith, hope, and love for a change on election day. And mm-hmm. we run outdoor rallies. And man, we have the, the Proud Boys show up at our events and really shouting, oh yeah,
0: full proud on. boys I mean, show in- up to, to your events with a bunch of oh, yeah. and I'm assuming a bunch of pastors and ministers are, are make up part of your your organization, oh, yeah, yeah. And your
1: staff, right, right. We're we're traveling with pastors and former worship leaders and and musicians and poets and, and all this. And we you know we get a line of Proud Boys. Uh, and then you know just a couple of weeks ago in Florida, we had actually arranged for a conversation after our event with them, and ended up having to take that into a into a bar. Um, so I sat in a bar with fifty Proud Boys, uh, you know, surrounding me, talking about talking about you know, is Black Lives Matter an anti-American effort and all this, right? And mm-hmm so the kinds of people that are on the trump train they don't know anything about republicanism they don't see themselves as republicans they see themselves in some kind of a patriotic christian nationalist movement okay and that's the other group that that trump has tapped into and that's where a lot of these christians actually are that's what's been utterly terrifying i mean it's shocking how many of these of these trump supporters uh are like yeah, I'm I'm not supporting him because he's a Republican, right? One of our famous lines is uh, we're a bipartisan effort at Vote Common Good. We want Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Green Parties, and anarchists. We want everybody to vote against Donald Trump. We're we're really bipartisan, right? Mm-hmm. We want the whole country to turn against this guy. We don't want to leave anybody out from standing up for goodness and truth. Um, mm-hmm. And they will say things like, "Well, we're not we're not really Republicans. We're patriots. We're Americans." Like, and they they're creating an entire narrative. That I thought Christian nationalism was fringy, And It is raging inside the Trump-supporting, thirty uh, percent of this of this uh, country's uh, mm-hmm. voters. So that is a thing, and it's, so it's partly white supremacist narratives and white nationalists, and um, there's another group in there. And I don't know how much you want to talk about race theory, but no, please, please. Okay, well, well, they're white normative, meaning they'll be for diversity, right? You'll ask them like, do you believe in diversity? And they'll say, yes. And you'll say, diverse from what? And they're like, well, diverse from white because they believe that white is normal and everything else is diverse, right? Mm -hmm. That's where they find themselves. So they're in this white normative and therefore white is preferable or superior kind of narrative. And they've wrapped a Christian storyline around that. And that's where the real power lies. And the Christian church, like 81% of white evangelicals who try to claim that, like, I'm conservative and a Christian, that's why I vote only for Republicans. Mm-hmm. They know that there's 90% of black church members mm-hmm. who go to black churches that vote for Democrats. Mm-hmm. The issue, the difference is not that one group is conservative and the other one's not. In fact, sometimes black churches are extremely culturally conservative, mm-hmm. right? The issue is for these white voters is it's not their conservative nature or even their Christian nature. It's their white okay. narrative. I, that's where I, this thing lies. And if and that's why Donald Trump dog whistles and screams and calls and uses QAnon and all the rest of this yeah. mechanism to invite a white nationalist movement. And I will testify to it from having seen it all over the country. And I see it in my Facebook feed and in emails that I, and phone calls that I get from people. Yeah, That's what it is.
0: You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Uh, You you said a lot. There is, um, I don't know if you watched the Republican National Convention this year um, where Mike Pence, you know, um, was reading, I I believe maybe from the book of Hebrews and, um, you know, where he replaced Jesus, you know, scripture with old glory.
1: So let's run the race marked out for us.
0: Let's fix our eyes on, oh glory. I asked Pastor Doug his response to Christians and believers who say, God spoke to the prophets. God could have spoken to these faith leaders who are supporting Trump. We weren't there and we have to trust that they're telling the truth.
1: I, I say to them this, look. Okay. You don't have to listen to me. You don't even have to believe me. I'm not here to convince you. Listen to yourself five years ago listen to yourself 10 years ago go read your own facebook posts go read your own sermons go read your mm-hmm. own uh, listen to your own voicemails that you left to friends when you said the character counted when you said that we in this country we vote for people we don't just vote for policies when you said it matters who we are not just how we are in this country mm-hmm. so you don't have to listen to me this is this is what you, why you've walked away from the very things that you said you held to that is the question for you. And so when when any Christian wants to say what I should do is turn over the leadership of my spirituality to someone else, you have stepped outside the Christian narrative. Now, a lot of people want to, a lot of people want to give up their own responsibility and their own agency for their spirituality. But when you once you do that, you, you're not doing a Christian thing any longer. You're hey. maybe following a group or a, you know, a, a particular leader. But the Christian story says that the spirit will call and the spirit will guide you and the spirit will lead you. So if you're like outsourcing this to, well, my Bishop said, or my pastor told me, or I read something somewhere. Okay. That, that might be the way you organize your life, but you don't blame your Christianity for that. Right. That, that you, your Christian faith calls you to stand up in opposition to leaders who do this, right? That's the whole story of Christianity. How, how do you read the story of Jesus and then just say like, well, I don't know, you just follow the leaders.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that's that. That's the part that makes me realize that a bad theology, and I've been a public theologian my whole life, and part of the reason I gave up my life and got on the road for all of 2020 to try to do something about this political moment is that I've spent my life trying to help uh, white evangelicals have a better Public theology, and I've realized just what a public health hazard it is mm-hmm. to allow this kind of uh, theology to be developed around the country because it leads to these outcomes.
0: What's being said in those small groups? You know um, how how was this theology able to permeate so much of the people who who mm-hmm. profess John three sixteen? You know, and um, my concern is yes, for the leaders and, and, and you know, the faith leaders that are, are, are around him, but also the, the millions of people that listen to these faith leaders, you know, where does the mm-hmm. flock go? Um, well, a, I, I think it's,
1: mm-hmm. I think it is, yeah. a, I think it is a crisis of, of leadership. And look, I've spent a lot of my life trying to analyze what these other folks are saying and what they're doing, and what's attractive about it. I, I care about that. I'm interested. And mm-hmm. I've begun to realize that part of the issue here is not just that a certain group of people are saying something I disagree with it's that the group of people who I do agree with we're not saying enough
0: exactly amen that part that part it's
1: (laughs) it's like it's like it's like the Christian leadership in this country that wants to have a prophetic voice and wants to have a progressive prophetic voice is like in a perpetual zoom meeting where someone has to say your mute is on hmm and we mute ourselves your over mute is and on. over and over and we the have to say to each mute other, is on. <laughs> and, and your phys- literally your mouth, like say more things, say them when, when, when we say turn up the volume, which is one mm-hmm. of our, one of our taglines. Okay. We have to turn up the volume. We mean both the decibels say it louder, but the, the, also the amount say more things, have more volume of things. Look, you could listen to this kind of toxic Christianity and conservatism and patriotic white nationalism all over the country in any truck or car you're driving in by tuning into AM and and FM radio stations. Mm -hmm. You can listen to it on the internet all over the place. You can listen to it on television shows in -hmm. the morning. You can listen to it in churches by the tens of thousands around this country. And trying to find a prophetic Progressive voice, you, you can literally name them, right? You can be mm-hmm. like, you could, you could put all of them into a large SUV and drive around with them. And mm-hmm. this is the problem, right? Is that so? And and look, I'm just gonna complain for a minute. We've been okay. trying to run run events with Christian leaders all over the country uh, for so about all, that, yeah, for <laughs> eleven months. And in 2018, you would not believe how many of them are like hey, I can't speak about politics. We can't have an event that says Faith, Hope, and Love for a Change in Election Day in our church parking lot because you know, we can't talk about politics. Black churches, liberal churches, conservatives, across the board. The people supporting Trump doing this stuff, they're pumping this in their churches every single day.
0: And he's right. Listening in not long after praise and worship during an evangelical's for Trump rally, where Paula White, who is Trump's personal spiritual advisor, says this. What I mean by that is kids aren't being caged, not drinking from toilet water.
1: I'll stop if I can keep. The fact that we choose yeah. and our church leaders choo- choose to be quiet on this stuff because you don't get to be prophetic in the jesus tradition without naming names okay right the prophets name names so jesus says it's herod it's pontius pilate it is you know uh, the mm-hmm. same like you're naming names and in our day you have to name the name donald trump you mm-hmm. you don't get to be prophetic in vagaries and you don't get to sort of bump and nudge like let's have a more just world And not name the people that are making it unjust. And you certainly, I'm going to rant for a minute. You certainly don't get to say, I want different policies, but I'm unwilling to call for different policymakers. We need new policymakers. And you have to name them by name. And if you have to give up your, your 501c3 status in order to be prophetic, you know, churches are not created to be a 501c3 tax break. And if you want to say, I'm unwilling to proclaim the gospel because the people then don't get a tax break for making a contribution to my church, then please don't tell me that you're going to critique other people for what they do for a tax break, because you're covering your own job and you're keeping your own church alive just so you can get a tax break. And most of the people that contribute to your church don't make enough to even write off their tax contribution to your place. So this, look, and I'm willing to blame the conservatives for their wrongdoing, but at the same time, all of us who are spiritual Christian leaders in this country, our DNA is all over this crime scene as well. And we are responsible for what has happened. And if we don't clean up this mess, mm-hmm. if we don't return to the scene of the crime, make a confession, make a repentance, and Amen. act differently, we're just going to do this again. And I got to tell you, there are so yeah. many people who don't seem to be bothered by that. I mean, this is part of me as a pastor that I'm just like, literally, what? where is everyone? Where are you? You're cowering in the upper room somewhere, or you're, you know, you're Peter in the narratives, you know, cowering hiding behind saying, "I never somewhere. knew," I never knew the man.
0: You hit on taxes, um, and and I want to dig deeper into that a little bit. You know, um, having that protection is more than just not paying taxes. It also allows organizations the ability to run the organizations the way that they want if if they want to have. Segregated Christian schools, they can do that if they want to deny women certain healthcare coverings. They can do that all in the name of Christianity, but it's really acting out this moral vision that they believe, um, you know, is right. This this archaic moral vision from the seventeen hundreds and eighteen hundreds when they thought, you know, um, slavery, you know, was designed and ordained by God and it allows them to, to have that covering. And um, a University of Tampa study estimates that the US could gain about 80, 80, close to $85 billion of additional revenue if religious institutions pay taxes. And so <laughs> you, you talked a little bit about that. And I'd love to explore your thoughts and your perspectives on is this one of the core reasons why evangelicals, th- this current group of evangelicals, are supporting? these people the way that they're doing
1: you know i think so i I look back to 40 years ago when evangelicals were evenly split in their democratic republican identities in fact 1976 the president of the united states was a southern evangelical from the southern baptist church named jimmy carter right jimmy carter absolutely Uh, the, the the cover of time magazine was the year of the evangelical Hmm. Well then, in nineteen eighty, the religious right organized the moral majority and the moral majority and absolutely they yeah. started into a forty year campaign to change that yeah they hated Jimmy Carter, they didn't like what had gone on with the uh with the end of segregation, mm-hmm. they were opposed of the civil rights movement, and they started to organize to make a world to to match their vision and they got busy doing it and that's That's a lesson to learn there. We need to get busy doing it. The the question for us is, are we gonna solve a problem in 2020? And I think the conditions that produced that problem in the first place. Then the question is in 2060, are we gonna be able to still have this same conversation or will we look back and say, wow, what changed from 2020 when all those Christians supported a Republican like Donald Trump? Could we imagine a 40 year window I mean, it's a great biblical kind of metaphor, right? These okay. 40 years. Could you imagine 40 years hmm. to get to a different promised land? Could, could you imagine that we're going to get busy and work every day for not the next four days, not the next four years, the next 40 years, so that our children and grandchildren, my, my daughter just had a little uh, son, just turned a year, Wesley hmm. Puck, and when Wesley Puck is 41, I want okay. Wesley Puck to look back and say, man, when my when my grandpa was alive, that guy had to go through. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. I'm so glad we don't live in that moment. Or do we just say to ourselves, well, and I hear this all the time. Well, you know, if you're conservative, then you're going to get all the money because people just like a, a theology of hell and of exclusion and of meaning. Like, no, they don't. Yeah. Nobody likes those theologies. It's there. People are stuck with bad theology like people who live in certain parts of our cities are stuck in food deserts, Mm -hmm. just nowhere else to shop. There's nothing else to eat. We have to get busy with amplifying voices like yours, and people like you know, getting those voices out there so that they are heavily accessible and heavily uh, engaged. And what I have learned in this work is, cause we do a lot of PR and we spend a significant amount of money mm-hmm. hiring a public relations firm to get the vote common good narrative out there. Mm-hmm. So if you see us in the news it's because we've designed ourselves to be in the media. We've designed this whole effort is to try to break through the media and to have uh, an experience that other people can connect to Without only having you know a particular church down the street, or if they've never heard of us, we want to show up. Mm-hmm. But, and and we're just a little bitty marble rolling around in a really big barrel here, right? <laughs> like we, we, we need to fill the barrel with marbles, and mm-hmm. and not just have a couple of radicals bouncing around making a bunch of noise in here. And if we don't get serious about structurally funding prophetic movements,
0: you know, I, I think that support. I think that's so timely because you know. Jesus and, and his, you know, disciples, th- they were funded. They just didn't go out and, you know, hope that people, you know, donated to them. There was a strategy behind that. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think that we should not learn from our Savior on how to be strategic. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned something about the conditions that created um, the situation that we're in. And honestly, Doug... I found myself feeling embarrassed and frustrated and angry and perplexed at seemingly how easy these conditions were um, able to be created. Um, You know, it just, it really piqued my interest on how we were able to seemingly get so lost. And when we talk about, you know, our our next 40-year journey, hopefully it's not 40 years wandering in the desert, uh, because I certainly feel like we're in a desert right now. But um, what are some of the tangible things that, you know, you and your organization or other people that are, you know, on the ground, what are some of the things that everyday people can do? Um, And when I say everyday people, I mean, people who truly consider themselves Christians, who Mm -hmm. are truly like me, are are feeling perplexed and, and embarrassed and frustrated that, you know, Um, Christ's ambassadors have seemingly fallen and, you know, have um, been derelict of our duty in in protecting Here is Tammy Cook, a Plano, Texas resident who recently spoke to Vice News about feeling isolated and disenfranchised about the direction of evangelicals in America
1: That is a very lonely feeling right now to be a
0: Christian in the United States and not agree with where we're headed politically. Mm-hmm. It's very isolating.
1: But by and large, four years of Donald Trump, you don't feel like there's been a wave of people who are, who are joining you. Do I believe there are gonna be those that say, no, I don't stand for that? You know, you hear a lot of, well, I don't like what he does, but yeah. um, you know full well they're gonna vote for him again.
0: To change so that your grandson in 40 years can just look back on this moment and say, I can't believe there was a world like that that existed.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of it I'll <clears throat> root in the in my take on the Christian tradition, and and part of it is the the temptations model, right? So, which okay. not made it sound like I was talking about the temptations, which <laughs> would be awesome. We should do a whole podcast on the temptations, but okay, come back, um, come back <laughs> on, on on the spiritual temptations. Uh, you you know, uh, it's okay. an identity problem, and a lot of us um, okay. are telling ourselves stories like no one's going to listen to me. I don't have the power. There's nothing I can do. Um, I tried and it didn't work. I'm not very good at that. Like there, the, the, the level of self-talk that tells us that we can't have cultural impact mm-hmm. is so high. I mean, I know this is, this is self, you know, this is confession here. This isn't, I'm, okay. I'm not projecting on this one.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, It's We're really
1: here. easy to tell yourself, I can't do it um what one of the people who travels with us her name is Vanessa she's a pastor out of Arkansas and a few years ago she wasn't politically active she came out of a very conservative background she um talked about how she went with us down to um El Paso after the murders at the at Walmart at the Walmart yeah and it was a very moving experience for all of us and we went to the border wall and saw that big brutal, disgusting sign of exclusion. And we went to a detention center in very difficult days. And she said that one of those nights she was just before she was falling asleep, she just said, "Um, God, I I don't know what I should be doing, but no one will listen to me. And then she said last night at at a rally, she said, and then God said to me, Vanessa, you haven't said anything yet. Well, Start speaking about well, this, Yeah. right? And what she was tapping into wasn't a shame model that I haven't done enough. What she was tapping into is this call is on me. And so I think the first step is how do people change a pattern?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Habitual change for all of us happens when three conditions are in place. And this okay. would be true if you were beating an addiction or changing a food habit or learning mm-hmm. a new skill. One is you have to take in new information, right? We, we know that. The second, though, is there has to be an invitation, someone who says, join me. And the third is a community of participation. There has to be some people then that you can join in and do this work with. So while we have to take something in and realize who we are in this place, then we have to invite ourselves and invite Mm -hmm. others into a different kind of a way of life and then join a community that's doing that and say what you want about the religious right. And I wanna say a lot of things about how damaging they have been. Okay, They have put together a coalition yeah. Yeah. of people that don't believe any. You think like Jerry Falwell Jr. and Paula White have anything in common? I mean, they, they couldn't disagree more, but they have something that brings them together, which is a dark vision of what America should look like that I wanna reject. And they've stayed together and built an entire religious movement of conservatism that has to be rebuffed by those of us who build a community, we call the community of common good, but a a community of engagement and of hope and of light and of goodness and of generosity. And Mm. this is the thing that the Christian gospel calls you to, right? Absolutely. Step into the the kingdom of God or whatever phrase someone wants to use for this community of common good.
0: Pastor Doug, I want to ask you, um, you know, as a Christian, as as someone who, you know, my idols are Paul and 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 Ruth, and and sometimes stepping out and and you know, I'm using this cliche phrase, being the change that you want to see, sometimes yeah. Yeah. requires vulnerability and sacrifice. Um, for those of us who find ourselves, you know wondering where do we go next like do, do we pray for these leaders like do you pray for the Paula whites and the jerry falwells of the world and you know um there's a scripture in Isaiah you know 56 9 through 12 that talks about the watchmen of God's people are like silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes so hmm. when the nice. watchman falls you know um when when the shepherd is derelict of the duty like what should the sheep do, like, do we pray? Do we, do, you know, do you, do you pray for these people?
1: I do. Um, and I think my response is not to pray that they're silent, but okay. to pray that other, that other alternative voices will rise up. Sure, yeah. Look, I mean, at, at one level, like when I put my pastoral uh, hat on,
0: okay. uh,
1: which, I, which I wanna wear most of the time, as opposed to my prophetic hat, and I like to wear both of them. Uh, people who are pitching this stuff, they're miserable. I can you assure so? you. I know they are. I, I mean, I know the people that are that this... are on
0: the TV and and on these, you know. I mean, um... look,
1: I, I, not to kick a guy when he's down, but this one might deserve it. Jerry Falwell Jr. was involved in a threesome, weirdo mm-hmm. sexual relationship mm-hmm. for decades that Michael Cohen helped him cover up mm-hmm. while he sat in the corner and watched his wife have sex with young men. Mm-hmm. You don't think this guy's miserable? totally miserable his white like and and i'm not saying every one of them's involved in something like this because i don't know so i can't say it but i wouldn't be surprised the level of look when people leave a group like this or they they break from the fever breaks or they leave the sort of you know control system then they start talking about how how just miserable they are so misery produces a certain kind of pain and darkness in the world so yeah i pray for them but look i i truly believe this is one of our sort of taglines from our rallies where i say like as a Christian, and as a pastor, I, I believe that every person is the beloved child of God. And I really do. The salt of the earth. And as Jesus would say, the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And then I say, but not every light of the world should be the president of the United States. And Donald Trump needs to take his dim little light and get it out of the White House.
0: You know- It's true for
1: these <laughs> leaders too. Like I can pray for these people, but uh-huh. Christian leadership is not some sort of a, it's not some sort of a guarantee like i pray they would stop leading i pray they would stop okay talking. i pray they would sit down and they would you know they, they would learn about the pain that goes on in some in the, of, of what they're doing and what they're talking about i pray they would wake up you know and i have a friend that uh, her name is rabbi uh, sharon Bros in california mm-hmm. and she had a great line she said but there's no alarm clock loud enough to wake someone from a fake sleep so there's a lot of people mm. who are fake Say sleeping. that again, say
0: that again. So there's no alarm clock loud enough um, to wake someone from their fake sleep. So
1: yeah, everything great, that we're that
0: we're seeing and that this audience is seeing is, it's all for the, sh- it's all for show. It's all for. Well, if
1: it is, then you got to call people out. The of like, of hey life. man, like, I know, I know you're fake sleeping. It's time to wake up. Time uh, to get up. Wake
0: up, Spike so, Lee, wake up.
1: Wake up, right? And some of us literally need to wake up. Like like observation and understanding, it's really hard, right? Jesus is, is really straight on this. Like for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, right? Like we can look right at a reality in the world and not recognize what's going on for sure, right? That, okay. is, that is true. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of us who have missed very important things around race and around economy and around the planet. And we just missed it or didn't know, but then new information comes, right? And then we awaken to it. And then we have a moment. What do we do when the new information is coming?
0: What do we do?
1: And, and then, then we have to you know, figure out if we, can, if we can muster up the energy to disrupt our beautiful Christian lives to do something different than what we've been doing that got us to this point. That's the, that's the, that's the repentance call that comes as a regular basis, right? But well, that, that action, that thing, that, that's what we need to pray about. And, and we shouldn't act like Christian leadership is some sort of a right that someone
0: has. Can we, okay, can, can we just pause there for, for a moment and, and talk about that, you know, because again, there are a lot of people who, um, you know, grew up in the church, um, a lot of people who, you know, see these leaders as not only selected by God, but, you know, um, immune from rebuke, immune from, you know, criticism. And because they have this title, they they must be right. Because they, you know, have this following, they they must be right about something we're missing we're the ones that are missing something you know let let me let me you know just be quiet to your point about you know people feeling not empowered to you know call a thing a thing and and rebuke in christ and so um i too have wondered um a lot of these leaders their motivations and their actions you know, calling to question their ability to be leaders in the first place is is what I'm hearing you say.
1: Yeah, and look, I think we should call each we should call each other out on that. As somebody who's been a Christian leader for a long time, and I know a lot of people, and I've been around a lot of these people, they're people, and a lot mm. of us end up in leadership for reasons that don't match the uh, influence that we have, and we should not act as if somehow that can't be challenged. We, we were at, to, to your point, can I tell you one story about an event yeah. we were at in Indiana? So we're running one of our faith, hope and love for a change in election day rallies and the information about it was in the newspaper. So people just show up and a couple came, uh, the, the wife was wearing a Trump t-shirt and the husband was wearing a Make America Great again, red baseball hat. So okay. clearly making it obvious, you know, where, where, where they were on this. Where they stand. And they sat right sort of in the middle back uh, section and uh, uh, we had this, uh, you know, they, whole, and the husband had a, a magazine in his hand. And when okay. people would say something about Trump, he would hold the magazine up over his head and kind of shake it at us, right? Okay. So after we were done, I went over and thanked him for coming and said, hey, look, it means a lot to us that you stayed through all this. This couldn't have been easy. You know, they have to
0: mm-hmm.
1: sit here and hear people, you know, uh, speak so plainly to you about, you know, something that you disagree on. So we started into a little conversation, and the man says to me, points to the, it's Charisma magazine. So he points to I the know article. About
0: Charisma magazine.
1: And it's the picture of the, of the people in the Oval Office with their hands on Trump. And yes. the man says to me, Why would all these Christian leaders say that he's a good Christian man if he's not?
0: Yeah. And yeah. I said
1: to him, I've known a lot of Christian leaders that have been wrong about very important things. Should we start into a list of what they've been wrong about? Mm
0: -hmm. Should we start
1: with slavery? Should we start with the environment? Should we start with the suffrage movement? Should we start with civil rights? Should we move on to apartheid? Mm -hmm. Like, How far do you wanna go about things? that Christian leaders are wrong all the time. In fact, the Christian tradition tells the people to rise up or the prophets will, or the rocks will cry out. This is Jesus's whole people movement to tell leaders that they have it wrong. And what did the very leaders do in Jesus day? They turn against the very son of God. So what we know as Christians is that leaders get it wrong all the time. Right. But for this, he was just like, nope, nope, I don't see it. And I said, okay, how about this? I am a Christian leader. I'm telling, like but he's like but I don't trust you I don't trust you and I'm like that's what I'm getting at like Christian leaders can be wrong right like you think I'm wrong so but we have to get out and and say this all the time and any of us who are Christian leaders we need to first of all demonstrate the very thing that you're saying we need to call out which is I am accountable you can call me out you can reach out at any point you can you know I will answer your questions I will respond I'm open to integrity I'm open to uh investigation Mm -hmm. like come in and look around. And yeah. look, if any of us as Christian leaders, if we're covering stuff up, zip it, sit you know, back, get your house in order and get back out there when you're willing to be examined.
0: I know there are, there are a lot of, you know, Christian leaders that are, you know, doing the right thing um, behind the scenes. And I guess my, my question for you is, you know, as you are encountering these people, you know, um, throughout the country and, and they're seeing, pastors and ministers and 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 poets and worship leaders and other other types of leaders, you know, face to face with no filter, no TV screen, no talking points, you know, in between you and and the flock and the people of God. Is, is that starting to maybe reshape how people um, expect, you know, leaders in the Christian faith to act? Or like are are you seeing, you know, a, a change in in their expectation as it relates to, oh, well you're a leader and you're not, mm-hmm. you know, approaching me in my life this way.
1: Organization vote common good helped to put out a list of 200 faith leaders from the Jewish Muslim Christian background who are supporting Joe Biden, a really big deal. The largest okay. list of yeah. any number of faith leaders to come out for a democratic presidential candidate ever. And um, so it was in the newspaper uh, today. So I start getting these messages from people in Minnesota, right? Uh, voicemails and, you know, they call our Google number and send send notes. And it's basically stuff like, you're not Christian. You, you are, you know, I mean, so- Your
0: Christianity is being called into question oh. because-
1: Yes. I mean, regular, I, I just, it's, it's a daily experience that I'm reminded that I'm not Christian. And I like to just say to myself, well, I'm trying to be, I don't know if I am one yet, but I'm trying to oh, be a Christian. Okay. So let me try, let me try to be a Christian in my response to this. Right. Um, because being, being Christian is as much a verb as it is, in, as it is an adjective, you know? Um, so, yes. Yes. So yeah, the, the price people are going to pay is that we live in a world in which people want to tell you that your spirituality is insufficient. And we should be careful, right, to not just tit for tat on that. You know, you live by a sword, you die by a sword, Jesus is teaching. And I think it's true in a lot of a lot of areas that you just don't want to go down the road and start trafficking in an economy that you don't want to have to have to live in. Um, so so we need to find a way to be um, direct but also to be kind. We, we, we do a think of the love and politics pledge, which comes out of first Corinthians 13. And we believe that we should have more love in our society, more love in our lives, more love in our churches and more love in our politics. We don't think love is opposite of the political life. We think it's the essence of it. And so love is patient. Love is kind. Love that keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not uh, delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Like there's, there's a way that, that the Christian Christian, uh, uh, call has a path that you can follow. There's an everlasting path that will that has been there, will be there, and you can walk it, right? This is what Jesus calls everlasting life. Get on the path of life and stay on it. He's not talking about life after death or, you know, eternity. He's talking about the path that's always existed that you can live on. It's going to continue to give life. So this is, I think, what where we have to find ourselves. And this is why, you know, the early christian church was talking about powers and principalities and our battles not just against flesh and blood but against this kind of stuff that goes on with the powers that are holding people Mm -hmm. back and and we have to engage with that and i believe the best way is to engage with an alternative i think alternatives are always better than condemnation pastors who fundamentally see their congregations as their listenership not as their co-laborers and their and the and their mm. participants and man that is that is a thing we have to we have to wrestle with in this in our yeah. in our spirituality um you know for the next uh ever of humanity yeah.
0: yeah well pastor Doug um author and and you know advocate and activist christian activist you know we thank you for stopping by the so about that team. And, you know, we will pray for you. And I know that you and your team are praying for the flock um, and, um, you know, wish you well on your journey as we build a coalition to look 40 years, um, you know, to build at that 40 year uh, prophecy. So. Right on. Thank you so much. Well, hey. Pastor Doug.
1: Hey, Really been my pleasure. Thanks for chatting today.
0: Absolutely. So that's been our show. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts like Spotify and iTunes and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's so about that. We'll see you next time. And remember, Bibles over bigotry. (laughs)